Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday... It's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most Popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. And present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together... We're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go podcast. The Full Go. Bears. Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. <laughs> he is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the full go. Love the full go. The full go. The full go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Hey, what's happening? What's going on, Jay? Happy New Year, man. Happy New Year to you, too, man. Uh, what episode is this? 193. Episode 193 of the Full Go Podcast. Seven more to 200. Seven more to two bills, and we complete season one of this joint. Um, you know, usually we come in here and, and get it on and have a good time and do all the fun and frivolity. I usually get like something off the beaten path or, you know, outside of the sports world off, you know, just a, like a little bit of a, a refresher into what the real world is. And then we jump into the old sports room. By the way, I got Tony Gill is out tonight. Uh, hopefully you're feeling better, Tony. Um, but I, I want, I want to start with this. Uh, I jumped into this business when I was 19 years old. I interned when I was 19, going into my 20th birthday. Um, I got hired when I was 20 at the 670 The Score, one of the greatest stations that this country has seen sports-wise. Uh, it's a station that I love to this day, and I grew up loving. I was a caller. Uh, I was one of the two kids that they would allow on the air. You know, and I'm only telling this backstory for people who don't know my background that are listening outside of, you know, the the purview of the Chicagoland area and people who know my background. But I I got hired when I was 20 years old and I was in a, I thought, a privileged position to learn things from people who I had looked up to host at some point down the line, 15, 16 years later with people who I grew up listening to uh, and just just gained a wealth of knowledge and experience and, and times and stories and friendships that will last a lifetime. Um, I, I start with this for this reason. Uh, what we saw tonight in, and I, we're recording right now is 1040 PM central standard time, Chicago time, 1040. Uh, just got done with the bulls Cavs game. And we'll get into that. Uh, we'll get into a little bit of the bears uh, and, and lions as well. But, what we witnessed tonight, uh, and we don't have any further information other than Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin, who collapsed on the field during the Bills-Bengals Monday night football game. 
that he was intubated. And after CPR was given for around eight to 10 minutes on the field, rushed in an ambulance to a level one trauma center that I believe is two miles outside of Paycor Stadium where they play in Cincinnati. So thankfully, there is a level one trauma unit uh, very close. But what we saw tonight is something that I, you know, we take for granted when we watch football that these dudes are giving their lives every snap and every play and every moment and every quarter and every season. Yes, they're getting paid a king's ransom to do so, but at the same time, this is something that could befall them. And it immediately made me think of, you know, the reason why I gave you that background is because it's at a very young age, uh, I got a chance to be around men and women in an industry uh, that I wasn't privy to outside of being a consumer. It's the sports radio industry. And if you know sports radio, then you know that there's a lot of politics, there's a lot of games, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into not just the content, but the behind the scenes stuff. And also the people that bring you the product, the people who pay your salary, the people who help you get paid. And I befriended uh, when I jumped down to 670 to score, uh, a young dude by the name of Jeff Rayfeld. Jeff Rayfeld was tall, slender, you know, uh, white dude, cool cat, uh, account executive at the station, uh, was known as Lakeview Jeff, was heavy into college basketball, heavy into basketball of all sorts, right? And Jeff and I, you know, had a, a working friendship, right? He would, I would always say what's up to him. We would always shoot the shit about basketball. He knew how much I was into basketball as a young dude, and I knew how much he enjoyed the game as well. So we always found common ground on that. Uh, and he was relatively young as, as you know, I was very young. So there was a relatability factor there, but it brought two lives together that had no, I, I won't say no chance in interacting, but, you know, I wouldn't have ran into maybe a Jeff Rayfeld at, at 19, 20 years old uh, the way I did. Uh, I wouldn't, I won't forget, uh, the day that we came into work where Jeff Rayfield the night before was elbowed in the chest in a pickup basketball game and his heart stopped. And to see DeMar Hamlin get up from what is pretty much an innocuous run of the mill type of NFL collision between he and T Higgins, T Higgins running through the play, runs through his chest, he pulls him down and having that spirit and that fight of a defender, you make your tackle, you jump back up and you get ready to go take care of business again. And he goes back down and he falls down uh, on his back, lying down, arms spread out. And to see that scene and to see uh, immediately one of his secondary mates uh, see, you know, that his friend, his, his teammate, his brother was in duress um, you saw the urgency and these guys know injuries. You, they know what it looks like when a guy has a concussion. They know what it looks like when a guy's got an ACL. They know what it looks like when a guy has uh, an Achilles or a broken this or a broken that. They understand the kind of pain and the noises that should come out of guys when that happens. When you saw not only that player, but other players run and actually the Bengals look down and the referees look down, you knew there was a problem. Now, this was happening while I was doing the pre-post game and halftime show for uh, the Chicago Bulls-Cavs game tonight. So I only got a chance to see it by walking out of the studio and being, um, being, having it brought to my attention by one of our um, studio crew members. Uh, and I'm sorry if it's hard for me to talk about this in this moment because, you know, I think about my buddy, a dude who, you know, I had gotten to know for a couple of years in my time at the score before he passed away and Jeff Rayfell and how sudden and how impactful all this has to be in this moment. And as we are sitting here taping, uh, the young man right now is in critical condition from all the reports that we have seen circulate throughout social media. Uh, there have been numerous doctors who have jumped out on the timeline and tried to describe what may have happened with the young man. Uh, the Cincinnati Medical Center is not anticipating giving any update further on his progress or his status uh, this evening as we are recording. So if news breaks when you are listening to this or has broken when you have already listened to this, then my apologies. This is the time that we are scheduled to tape. And, you know, next pod, uh, hopefully we'll have better news for you. But, you know, anytime... Anytime I'm in conversation with my friends and my family or just even passers by 
and we talk about NFL football, we talk about college football, there's a certain reverence with which I talk about football players. And some people don't get it. Some people don't understand. I grew up uh, in, in a, you know, in my grand, well, I grew up in my grandmother's house every, every weekend pretty much. But in that house was guys who had played football or guy who was playing football in my uncles. So football was always close to us. And I always understood the violence of the game. I always understood the, the pain associated with the game at a very low level, right? Like high school football, but watching my uncles go through it, you, you know what the bodies are put through at a young age. And when guys filter themselves through the high school game and filter themselves through the college game and then become NFL football players, um, going back to that 19-year-old, 20-year-old me who got a chance to jump in this business very, very early, I also got a chance to be in some NFL locker rooms far earlier than a lot of people uh, in my peer group uh, would have been able to, you know, figure you intern after college, you're 24, somewhere around there, 23, 24, 25. By that time, I was already five years in the business and have been around athletes of a certain ilk in this city and around the Chicago Bears, around Northwestern athletes. Hell, you know, uh, a guy who was like a second pops to me and Jerry Brown was a defensive coordinator for Gary Barnett's Northwestern Wildcats for years and years and years and years, then go on to be the defensive backs coach under Pat Fitzgerald. I, I had a certain amount of football that was always less than six degrees of separation away from me. So I, I was around guys that were affected by the game on a physical level, on a mental level. I was around women who were affected by the game because th those were their family members or they were covering the game. So I was around as many people as possible that were uh, privy to what football is and what it can be at times. So whenever I had conversations with people who are of my peer group or people who are outside of the industry, and they never really understood the reverence or the... Um, the discretion I had when talking about football players in a in certain lights, in a personal light sometimes too, when it came to calling people soft or, you know, getting mad about contract holdouts. I was always, when I worked at 670, the score was always the guy who was on the side of the player. And, and yes, sometimes to the detriment of the team that I was rooting for, but I, having talked to guys who had to spend time in dark rooms because of concussion after concussion after concussion or having talked to guys who can't walk correctly at the age of 36, 37 because of double hip, hip replacement surgeries or guys who you know for a fact because they can't do it while you're breathing and while you're alive, but after, they posthumously, you know for a fact certain guys are going to be uh, diagnosed with a a certain level of chronic traumatic encephalopathy, better known as CTE, brain bruises, and, and, and things of that nature because of the repeated head trauma. Not to mention all the other things that happen to your extremities, but I think we forget, you know, quite often the way that these guys' hearts are pumping out there and the, the, the physical exertion that is being uh, exhibited out there, the violence, the impact, and the speed of the game. You know, we, I, I'll never forget my, my partner in Atlanta, Mac McDonald, um, when, when we, one of our first shows, when I first got down there, we got into like this little, um, disagreement about why people are drawn to NFL football in particular, but football in general. And my first response was the violence and speed of the game. And he's, he started talking about the accuracy of the passers and, you know, the one-handed catches and all this other thing. And I'm like, yeah, that's what we dress it up as. But in the, in the long run, it's the violence and speed of the game. It's the reason why NFL games and college football games are the most visceral and carnal and primal environments on a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, or Thursday night of any in any town in America, in any big city, in any neighborhood. It doesn't matter. Friday night lights all the way to the Super Bowl. The speed and violence of this game is what draws us near. The fact that we are watching modern-day gladiators was, is what draws us near. So when moments like this happen, we all catch our breath. And sometimes it's in a performative nature because now, of course, with the timeline and social media hell, I'm going to say this right now, too. Hey, fuck you to the three guys who, while I was sitting here tweeting about this show tonight and about guys jumping on the voicemail line talking about the Bulls' uh, loss in dramatic fashion that we're going to get to, yeah, there's three guys who had no... Nothing better to do than to tell me this isn't the time to be tweeting about the Bulls because there is a player who is down on the field and bigger things are happening right now than sports. Hey, man, I'm not with this performative shit because I'll be honest with you. I've spent my entire career 
trying to give a voice to players who I have talked to who are not in this position, don't have a microphone in front of them. Right now in this new day of new media, we see a lot of athletes and a lot of players saying to hell with it, I'm going to do it on my own. But I spent uh, the majority of my career trying to make people not only understand my opinions, but also understand that there's another side of this thing that's behind the number and behind the last name on a jersey. I got a chance to work with Ryan Shazier for an entire year thanks to the Ringers NFL feed. Ryan Shazier and James Jones, I consider as uh, occupational buddies. You feel me? And and I don't hesitate to say I, I think of those dudes as friends after the year that we spent together every single Tuesday talking about NFL football, going to the, to the Super Bowl and seeing Ryan Shazier and what he's had to sacrifice. And if you don't know, Ryan Shazier is one of the few people who's been able to walk away from one of these catastrophic-like injuries on a football field. And he does walk with a hitch. And he is the, the, the picture of resiliency and strength. But the, I've talked to Ryan about some of the dark times, so about some of the sad times, and about some of the times that, you know, you're never going to get back, or you, the times that you felt invincible to the time that you felt very, very human when you're lying there on the ground not being able to move your lower extremities. So to the performative nature guys out there who want to say, we should shut everything right da- down right now. No, no, people have been living with this kind of fear their entire lives, right? And at what point do we start talking about something else? I know in this moment what I'm talking about, and that's going to be this. But this isn't performative or clout chasing for me. I know everybody's going to be sitting around talking about this today or tonight or tomorrow or for the next week, and hopefully this brother pulls through. He's 24 years old. He's 24 years old. Hell, I think I, I think we lost my buddy Jeff Rayfeld. I think we lost him when I was 22, 23 from an elbow in the chest while playing a pickup game and didn't go home. You know, so so this young man is 24 years old. He's got his family watching this game. He's got the whole world watching. He's out there doing his job, and he goes down in a heap like that. So my prayers and thoughts are with him, and I know that has become a very, very hollow term. It's become a very, very shallow term, but, I mean, I went into the green room and said a prayer for the young brother, right? Because right now, the, the medical staff at the Cincinnati hospital that he is at and his parents and his family, hopefully being around him, will give him some comfort, even if he can't um, realize or recognize that they are around him in this moment while being intubated. I mean, you go from being on top of the world and getting ready to play a Monday night football game on the showcase and on one of the biggest stages on television to this. So, yeah, man, the next time we talk about these players and I, listen, I, I will raise my hand. I will raise my hand because. The, the personal aspect is what I've always tried to, to engage with and not just treat these dudes like numbers, not just treat these dudes and, and ladies as well in the, in, on, the, on the women's professional and collegiate side and amateur side of things. Try to treat these men and women like more than just numbers out there, like more than just people on your fantasy team. And I'm not waving my finger at you. I'm not standing on a soapbox, but this is the reason why. Because... These type of things can happen. They don't happen very often, but when they do happen, all of the stuff that is put in perspective that you probably should have had before this, it's now shined a light on it even more so. This is a 24-year-old young man who's got everybody in both colored uniforms surrounding him, crying, saying prayers over him while he's getting CPR for eight to 10 minutes on a football field. And this is the other thing, too. You know, the fact that the players and the captains and the coaches on this team are the ones that had to call this game and say that we're not going out there to play it now that the reports are coming out tonight. Now, maybe it'll be different tomorrow, but from everything that we have read and heard tonight is that Roger Goodell understood that this is an 11-3 and team, if I'm not mistaken. It was an 11-4 and team and a 12-3 and team trying to figure out the number one seed in the AFC, trying to figure out the AFC North division title. And if y'all didn't know by now, money and football are way more important than the lives of these young brothers that are running around out there on that field. Because they were going to ask Tredavious White. They were going to ask Deion Dawkins. They were going to ask Stephon Diggs. They were going to ask Josh Allen. Yeah, we know that you are worried about your boy fighting for his life right now in the Cincinnati hospital solo. 
without all his teammates around him. But guess what? Y'all going to have to go back out there on this field and play football. And they said that with every second that they didn't jump to action and say, we're not playing football tonight. How can you expect anybody to? So someone will have to take accountability for that. But when you talk about accountability, it usually comes with some kind of uh, consequence or some kind of result. In the end, uh, we're going to watch the playoffs. We're going to watch when this game gets returned because we want to see how both teams are going to react to the, the tragedy that they watch occur right in front of their eyes. And this is the other part, too. Usually when you see stuff like this, it's, it's happening with somebody else and to somebody else. I don't know how you don't think that maybe you might be the next one up. Uh, uh, and let me, let me rephrase that because football players are a different breed. Right. You got it. That, that boxing and football, to me, the games and the sports that choose you, you can mess around and try to play football. You can try to box all you want. But at some point, the contract is going to have to be signed with you and the pain and the sacrifice that, that those games and those sports come with. And some people are up to signing that contract and some people ain't. I will never forget sophomore year when I was running around the field. I was like, you know what? I am the slowest and shortest person and smallest person out here. This may not be the move for me. You kidding me? And we had one of the best football programs in the state at that time at Everson Township. You know what, y'all? I will watch y'all from afar. Let's see if I can hang out with these girls without wearing shoulder pads. You feel me? Like That's why I thought I was a short D lineman. You already know, Jess. <laughs> you already know. All that, and, and, and God bless the dead, my man Alex Thomas, who, you know, now, damn. Damn, I just I just saw my buddy Alex Thomas um, pass away not too long ago. Went to his funeral. Uh, when I knew it was done for me, it was when Alex Thomas, who was about six foot two, two sixty as a kid, uh, was in the Oklahoma drill, and I messed around and had to get another rep in, and it was me and him. And all I did was remember the beginning of the drill and. Wake up with the team on the other side of the field. That, and I was like, you know what? Uh, this probably ain't for me. This this is probably not for the five foot six, 140 pound, scrappy, Rudy like figure that wanted to just get in for a couple of plays at the end of the game. So when we run around calling guys soft and talking about what guys aren't and talking about how much money dudes shouldn't get and how much they should expect. Let me tell y'all something right now. I root every single time for the player when it comes to this game. Because moments like this, while we're watching DeMar Hamlin fight for his life in critical condition in the Cincinnati hospital, they not only resonate with me, I'm worried that they're going to happen each and every game. And I know players can't worry about that because if they do, you're going to play a step slower and it's probably going to happen to you out there. But I hate the fact that we have to see it happen for us to respect that these dudes are putting their lives on the line every single snap that they go out there. And yes, it's on their own volition. And yes, they get paid a ton of money. But I'll ask you right now, all the fame, all the fortune, all the money, all the glitz and the glamour, all the cars, all the lifestyle, everything that you would want. I know right now you wouldn't trade that for DeMar Hamlin's situation. I know right now. And if you say that you would, you're a liar. You're a liar. It's a 24-year-old man in peak physical condition, in the prime of his life. Hell, the man is a good football player on top of it, too. He's a damn good football player. So this dude has the rest of of his career ahead of him, and now we are sitting here talking about him intubated in a Cincinnati hospital because of an innocuous football play. So keep that in mind. Like I always say, take care of each other and be safe at the end of these things, and I mean it. And part of that take care of each other is about being human. And if nothing has come across in this podcast since I've been doing it for 193 episodes, I try to provide some kind of human, uh, humane or uh, humanity-like, if that's a word, um, outlook. Because I've been on both sides of this thing where I've been close to some of these players who go through things that aren't publicized and deal with them far after their playing careers are over and nobody talks about it because that player is no longer servicing your team or that number has now been given to somebody else that you can root for. You feel me? You know, Quan Muhammad wears number 55, but I know what Lance Briggs, the number 55 that I watch in recent vintage and, and respected, I know what he went through and I know what he goes through on a daily basis and on a weekly basis. So keep that in mind when we're calling people bums, 
when we're throwing terms around like soft, when we're talking about how guys are overpaid, yeah, keep it in mind. A little balancing act that you might have to do as a sports fan, but I know you got it in you. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Bulls Talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. Flies in with a two-handed slam dunk. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. So, after that segment, it's kind of hard for me to come in here and rail on a team, or any team for that matter, because of how somber it is. But, the Chicago Bulls, they did it again to us. They just, they hate prosperity, man. They just, they, they, they hate good times. They're not a fan of feeling good about themselves. This is probably the best half of basketball and the worst half of basketball the entire season in the same game for the Chicago Bulls. This thing starts out, what is it, 60, is it 67 to 45? Or something at yeah. one point, right? Oh, no, no, it's the worst loss in the NBA this season. It's the biggest comeback this season in the NBA, Jess. Oof. They're up 67 to, no, it's 63 to 45. They're up 63 to 45 at half, locking down Donovan Mitchell and the boys for six quarters now, straight, by the way, because he didn't play well in the first game on Saturday night, right? He didn't play well on New Year's Eve. Ayo DeSumo gave him everything he could handle on the defensive end. We're sitting here talking about Ayo. It was 19 points and five steals. And for whatever reason, in the second half of tonight's basketball game, as we are recording here on, uh, what is it, Monday night? On Monday night, the Chicago Bulls, and it, it didn't come down just to a missed box out by Patrick Williams, because I know Pat's going to get a lot of blame, and he deserves it. He deserves it. But all of the blame shouldn't go to him. It doesn't just come down to that. It doesn't just come down to maybe the strategy and fouling while down three, with four seconds left with Ayo DeSumo fouling Donovan Mitchell in the position to actually miss a free throw, the second free throw, and get the rebound and, you know, send the game to overtime. It doesn't come down to their offense in the overtime because much like the Bartman game, you might think that this game ended with that play. No, no, there was still time to win the damn basketball game, and the Chicago Bulls opted out of it with their porous, stagnated, one-dimensional isolation offense in in the last stanza. In the last overtime frame, the Bulls were the Bulls that we've seen for too many stretches during this season where the offense just didn't look connected. In the first half of this, they had, I believe, 12 assists in one quarter in the first half. I believe it was the second quarter where they got busy. They jumped on the Cavs, did what they had to do, and then in the second half, they came out and played isolation ball, uncontrolled closeouts, compromising the defense with no rim protector to speak of. And then what we've seen all year long, and frankly for the last two years, a downhill pick-and-roll creator, carving the Bulls up. Donovan Mitchell came out in the second half of tonight's basketball game and went bananas. The third quarter, he went to the line, I believe, 16 times. I believe he had 24 points in the third quarter of tonight's game. He ended with 71, by the way. 71. Only seven players in the NBA's history. You know how long NBA basketball has been going on? Since the Peach Baskets. Since, since dudes had to have a jump ball after every made basket, right? Since George Mikan and the boys. Since Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, Dr. J, Elgin Baylor, Connie Hawkins, uh, 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 Bernard King, uh, Larry Bird, uh, you know, Detlef Shrimp, Rillis Reed. I'm just going to name names. Tony Delk, you feel me? Uh, Rashad McCants. 
uh, Bo Outlaw, okay, Michael Cage, okay, any, any uh, Dwayne Shinches, uh, all of these people who have ever played NBA goddamn basketball, seven people have scored 70 or more. Seven. Seven. One, two, three, quattro, cinco, seis, siete. Seven people have scored 70 points or more in an NBA basketball game. And the NBA said, tonight was your night, Chicago Bulls. I saw Kobe score 80 against Toronto. I hosted with the man who was coaching that team at the time in Sam Mitchell. And I asked, I've asked him many times, hey, what happened that night? And he'll say, hey, man, wasn't sure what he could do. <laughs> After a while, the best player on the court went ham. He went crazy on us. And Did he- you see Tim Pong? Tim Bontemps, what he said, we reported about earlier today. No. What did he say? Apparently, he, he was playing Call of Duty. Donovan Mitchell and Kyrie yeah, Irving Kyrie. were playing Call of Duty. And Kyrie's yeah. like, he's locked on. Like, he's on it tonight. Like, he knew. All of a sudden, now Kyrie's busting a LeBron. He knew like, the feeling, right? <laughs> what the he, he knew what was going to happen, right? That's insane. Like I was saying, there have only been seven players to do this in league history. And this is my biggest problem with it all. Call me old school. Call me what you want. I understand. I will be that right here, right now for you. Like Redman, I'll be that. That man never hit the floor in a moment he didn't want to. Every time he hit the floor is because he was lunging towards the basket, drawing a foul, and usually finishing with an and one situation. That man came off of every pick and roll, unencumbered. This is the thing, man. Hey, if you want to question coaching strategies tonight, have at it. If you want to question player effort tonight, have at it. The Bulls can't stand prosperity. And this is why I don't get up for two, three-game win streaks. I don't talk crazy. I don't plan parades after they beat the Bucks, after they beat the Celtics, or if they beat the Heat, or if they beat the Knicks, or if they come from behind and get a tip in at the end to beat the Atlanta Hawks. You know why they have to continue to do this? The Bulls are better than these teams that they are getting beat by. Now, I don't know if they're better than this Cleveland Cavaliers team, but guess what? Without Evan Mobley and without Darius Garland, you should be better than them. And you should have been better than them on New Year's Eve, but you let every second chance opportunity go out the window. You let every offensive rebound fall its way into a Cleveland Cavaliers center, power forward, shooting guard, or point guard's hands. They gang rebounded. They beat you because of it. It shouldn't have come down to DeMar DeRozan having to have an 18-foot baseline fadeaway with four hands in his face. But it did. Much like this game came down to that, and we'll get into that part too. Shouldn't have come down to that. I'm tired of celebrating when dudes play a little bit of defense, man, just so you can get slapped in the face for 71. And by the way, the referees had a terrible game. Yes, they did. But you got to play above it sometimes. Got to play above it. This was one of those times you had to play above it. The refs don't allow you to throw your hands up and pout. The circumstance may, but the ref shouldn't force you to do that. The circumstance, hell, the circumstance shouldn't force you to do that. Play through that shit and then holler at them after the game or talk crazy about them in the post-game press conference, but play through it. I'm tired of seeing five-on-four breaks because dudes are still talking to the refs. And if they're not giving you the call on the other end, we see it, we know it, we understand it, let, 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 let us fight for you. I know you don't want to see another last two minutes of the game report like you did in the last game and the game against Washington. Yeah, those don't mean anything for you. They don't do anything for you. All they do is make sure that the fans know that they ain't getting cheated and the people with FanDuel understand that, you know, your money is going, you know, fair and square to where it should be going. And the demerits put on the, you know, the, the resume of the offending referee in that occasion. But last two-minute reports don't really mean shit to basketball fans, right? Besides validating a gripe that was happening in real time, I'm just, yo, I'm sorry, man. Like 51 and three quarters by Devin Booker, 71 tonight by Donovan Mitchell. This ain't just a dude getting hot. This team, until this team proves that it can deal with the responsibility of success and the responsibility of prosperity and the responsibility of expectations then this is going to continue to happen. Maybe not to the clip of 71, but you're going to have these disappointing-ass losses. You're going to have them. I got no problem with you getting beat by the Cavs. They're a better team than you. 
just how you're getting beat by them. Nobody should be able to control your effort. And if anything, when I see Donovan Mitchell putting his head down in the third quarter, I am amping up. It's time. Oh, yeah, now it's time to play. The team that was sleepwalking the first half, they, they, they left. The, the, there's, there's a group of imposters. The real Cleveland Cavaliers just came in, and they made themselves very, very aware and present. And as far as the offensive game of this team, you know, if it isn't Vooch hitting a couple of big threes or Vooch being thrown the football, the football, <laughs> if it isn't Vooch being thrown the basketball in moments where it's like, all right, two people are collapsing on DeMar, then two people collapsed on Zach, now it's time to kick it out to the big man. Now he can get a look. This thing with Zach Levine not getting any of these in-game situations or not even getting, uh, I won't even say being a part of the look because we found out that in the game on Saturday night against the Cleveland Cavaliers that DeMar might have broken off the play prematurely, might have jumped up and caught the ball in a position where nobody else knew he was going to go get it. But you got to start to make Zach more a part of this situation going down the stretch in some of these games because the game-winning attempts that we saw last year that went in haven't been dropping like they were last year. And Zach has some of those to his credit as well. And let's face it, Zach Levine is going to be here longer than DeMar DeRozan, whether you like it or not. Zach Levine is the $215 million man. DeMar DeRozan is, the, is on the I'm Proving Y'all Wrong tour. And he has. He showed the league exactly what he's, you know, what he's been over the last two years. has been phenomenal. But this day, we love it when it goes in. But I, my guys will tell you in the studio, there's some bad shots that go up, that go in. And you're saying to yourself, you know what? This is going to burn them in the long run. You can't sustain this. And everybody now watches, understands, you can't sustain some of the things that they are trying to pull off game to game to game. Patrick Williams missing out on two rotations and getting benched down the stretch and then having Alex Caruso being in foul trouble really hampered this team defensively because Patrick Williams is supposed to be one of your defensive stalwarts. And let's, let's keep it more than funky. If Patrick Williams ain't going to get you 20, so he has to stay on the court to play good defense. So if his defense is struggling and his rebounding isn't what it's supposed to be, then you're already at a deficit. This roster is, is the, the island of misfit toys, man. Like, you, you got a bunch of guys who are individually, seemingly tangible, really, really good basketball players that just don't fit together. And in a moment where you're trying to understand rotations and understand where guys should be and whose weaknesses are what, in the moments where you're playing poorly, there's another guy that just quickly gets plugged in and you might not see the court again. Like down the stretch, I don't know which roster, or I should say which five to count on. Like right now, the closing roster for the Bulls in winning time is who? You're still filling it out in game 36, 37. Halfway through the season, this team doesn't know who it is. This team doesn't have an identity yet. They're prosperous for a few games and a couple of those are by bounces here. Effort plays there, and then they show what the baseline can be. And then in the same game, listen, man, the Chicago Bulls from halftime on tonight gave up 98 points. They gave up 98 points in two quarters in an overtime period. We're still talking about 60-point halves. So, yeah, you may not be up in arms about this one, but a historic feat took place tonight, and I got a chance to watch it, unfortunately, against the team that I not only root for, but I cover. And the gloves are coming off because they're, they're, they're professionals. This team should be better than this. And, and it's not like they haven't said exactly what the problems are. The problems are emphasized not only by the coach, they're emphasized by the players. So if things are unacceptable, stop accepting them. If something is unacceptable, I ask, then what? What you going to do about it? You going to change the way you play? Somebody not going to play as much? Somebody going to be called out more so than just you know, this guy should have got over there. Like, I want to know what's going to happen. You already pressed the button on one halftime exchange that yielded 73 points after that game, after that halftime exchange in Minnesota. Like, we talk about the Minnesota halftime situation where guys, you know, got into each other's faces a little bit in the locker room and then went on to play a different brand of basketball. In that second half, they gave up 73 points. The Timberwolves still scored a buck 50 in that game. Cleveland Cavaliers put 145 on you tonight. So we could talk about offense and stagnation all we want, but in the end, if this team ain't stopping nobody, if this team ain't rebounding, if this team ain't taking care of basketball, and if this team is crying about fouls, they're going to get exactly what they deserve. Another embarrassing loss. Time for some commercials. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, this is Lance Briggs. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff. All right, Jesse, I'm all, I'm all yelled out. I'm all screamed out. I'm all... I'm all uh, passioned out. I don't know what you want me to say about this Bears thing. 41 to 10. Listen, I don't often say, especially after the first segment that we had about teams not giving effort and teams quitting or calling guys not tough. I'm not going to call the Bears players not tough, but that Lions-Bears game was, that's what it looks like when a team is ready to go home. And... I didn't expect that of this group at any point in time during this season because of, one, the hits principle that Matt Eberflus has come into this situation with, with hustle, intensity, uh, was it togetherness, and I don't know, what was, the, what, was the, what was the S? I don't know, strength or salve or, you know, Salernos. I don't, I don't know what the, what the, what the S is. <laughs> Spaghetti, maybe. Um, but that team looked like a squad that was ready to, mail it in um do i think that the lions are 31 points better than the bears no i think they're the better team obviously uh but rushing for 200 plus yards the team defensively was on roller skates uh i think both sides of the ball they got out coached they got out hit they got out toughed uh justin fields did not play an inspired brand of football um you know the details the finer points you know, in throwing a football away, he didn't throw it away and it got intercepted. Um, I think Justin Fields is banged up to the point now where, you know, if you want to talk to me about sitting him down for the final game of the season, fine, whatever. Uh, and this is why I needed them to win a football game. And, it, you know, people may harp on me about the draft position, but in order for certain things to be checked off the list in terms of growth, not only for this team, but to him as a quarterback, you wanted to see some of those things going into the offseason so that you wouldn't have those doubts and questions. And more importantly, he wouldn't have some of those doubts and questions. He's an overconfident individual. But I'm sure some of these things are leaving him to question himself and his talents at times because they can't score the football. And this is one of those rare, big rushing games from Justin Fields where they couldn't get anything out of the passing game. Like, usually they'll be able to pop a few things. You know, the first drive looked lovely. You know, you hit Cole Komet in the end zone for a touchdown, but the first drive seemed coordinated, seemed like they were executing flawlessly. It was a seven, eight plays for, you know, 75 yards or so. But then Jared Goff and the boys get the football and they go right down the field in a similar manner against your defense. And this is what I will say. Because aside from me taking the Bears players to task for seemingly mailing it in after they got down big, um, I thought Jaquan Brisker didn't look good out there today. I thought Kyler Gordon made an inexcusable pass interference in the end zone uh, where, you know, you get the ball on the goal line. It's seemingly an easy touchdown. Um, I thought Justin Fields had a, a, a really tough play with goal to go when he decides to scramble instead of continuing the play and keeping his eyes upfield enough to see Cole Komet dragging in the scramble drill across the back of the end zone. Um, he eventually goes out of bounds. They eventually kick like a short field goal to 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 make it ten points, uh, to make the score to give the Bears ten points. Um, what I am focusing on and going forward, you know, all Bears fans will and should be is uh, if Ryan Poles got to fix that offensive line, and he's got to fix it this offseason. Now we could talk about wide receivers, we could talk about edge rushers, all we want. Um, Aiden Hutchinson. There were the two best players on the football field 
on Sunday in the Bears-Lions game. One was Aiden Hutchinson. The other was Panay Sewell. That dude, number 58 for the Detroit Lions, you know, knew a lot about him coming out of college, knew he was going to be a high pick, knew at some point, you know, you expected him to be a Pro Bowl player. He is already one of the best players in the NFL. And it's not cause, just because he's a fat guy who catches a touchdown every once in a while, <laughs> but the dude's technique, dude's grit, the dude's anger level, like the, the, the nastiness with which he plays, it is phenomenal and astounding to watch a big man do what he did. I mean, there was an end-around play, I believe, with uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, if I'm not mistaken, where he cuts the corner, and big old number 58 is ahead of him. And I'm like, wait a minute, 340-pound man shouldn't be able to move like that. And to watch him dominate a porous Bears pass rush, and let's face it, Jared Goff is a good quarterback when he's got a clean pocket and separation, like a lot of quarterbacks are, and he's had that for most of the season, and that's why he's a Pro Bowl quarterback. I watched that man dominate one side of the football so much so that you knew nothing was coming from that side. Whether it was Kwame Muhammad, Dominique Robinson, whoever, Travis Gibson, whoever you wanted to line up over there, 58 was going to do his job. And then on the other side, 97, Aiden Hutchinson, I mean, we watched it three years from at Michigan. I talked to Anthony Heron uh, back in my Big Ten radio days, what, four years ago, about that dude and how he was going to arrive and show up on the Michigan campus and be one of the best premier defenders on that campus and in the Big Ten the moment he got there. That man you know, has got all the makings of a perennial Pro Bowl talent that you're going to have to deal with in this division for the next eight, nine, ten years. This man had a fumble recovery. I believe he had a sack and a half. He had an interception. He was all over the place. And while I'm sitting here talking about Justin Fields and talking about, you know, a dude who's running the, the football at a clip that we have never seen in the NFL's history, surpassed Michael Vick for the single season uh, rushing record mark. He's now second. All-time single-season rushing for a quarterback. Shortly behind Lamar Jackson, I believe he needs 63 yards to tie Lamar Jackson's record, 64 to break it. He'll probably get that against the Minnesota Vikings coming up here in this final meaningless game of the football season. But man, you can't tell me. You can't tell me that Jones, Whitehair, Jenkins, Mustafer, and Reef are good enough. You can't tell me that what you saw is just going to be a continuity thing going into next year. I, I, I Go get your three technique. Go get your, your, your right tackle. Go get somebody that you think could play a swing tackle for you. Keep Tevin Jenkins as healthy as possible and look at that left guard and center position again because, man, Justin Fields, for whatever y'all want to say, Yes, he did not have a good game. And yes, there were times where I thought he looked like part of the crew that did not want to be there at Ford Field today, or Sunday, I should say. But dropping back as few times as he did and getting sacked six or seven times, there's, there's a lot of sacks that you could put on the quarterback. But when guys are getting bull rushed into the quarterback's lap, when the quarterback isn't allowed to hit the back step in that drop and immediately have to start to climb that ladder because of the pressure that is coming you know, encroaching upon him. You can put the number one wide receiver out there all you want. Until the Bears address and address sufficiently the line of scrimmage, we're going to see this. And I, I fear we're going to see a quarterback get broken if it doesn't get addressed sufficiently. You know, we can look at the deals that Ryan Poles has made in his first real offseason, and you can scratch your head at some of them. You can't. Trade deadline, that second-round pick, that high second-round pick that I was said was a steep price to pay for Chase Claypool. I don't know if y'all saw it. Chase Claypool might have well been inactive against the Detroit Lions on Sunday. And I know he's coming back from a knee injury and all that, but I was worried when it happened that you were getting a guy that you were overvaluing because he was a big body. And I mentioned it at the time that Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers just don't give away talent, usually make the right decision, especially at the wide receiver position. And also, they got a quarterback that they just drafted that they were bringing along. Why would they give away a target that was productive for them? Now, you may be of the school that, hey, they're going to need a big body receiver, so one of these guys is not going to be available. But guess what? Drafted somebody in the high 30s, yeah, you know, 
you can mess around and get yourself a damn good football player. So Ryan Poles now has to make up for some of the mistakes that have already been made before him, a mistake that is possibly brewing with that acquisition. Let's not forget, I like, I like Al-Qadim Muhammad as much as the next guy because I got a chance to interview him at the Super Bowl. Very delightful dude to talk to. His pass rush has been non-existent this year, and I know he's a Matt Eberflus guy from the Indianapolis Colts system, but that front four has been cheeks all year long. It's been bad all year long, so much so that now you are starting to sacrifice the integrity of your defense these last few games by sending nickel blitzes, by sending safety blitzes. And the problem is Jalen Johnson and Eddie Jackson have been banged up and out for the last few weeks, so you've got a bunch of rookies and second-year players and practice squad dudes running around back there. So, yeah, you're going to get carved pieces in the defensive secondary. The reason why I wanted the Bears to win one of these last two games, if not both of them, is because I thought that the process would start to pay off in terms of the evaluation process, the coaching that these players were taking. If you started to see them turn the corner and started to maybe, you know, get it or that light comes on, because we always hear players talk about that game where the light came on and all of a sudden the rest of the season or hell, the rest of their career changed from that moment. I was waiting for that game to happen at the end of this season, so I had to go into next season still wondering about that game. So while you're cheering for the first or second pick or third pick in the draft, that's cool. I, listen, get as many good players on this team as possible. But as we watch this team now win, lose, what, 10, 11 games in a row? You're still not seeing some of the things that you wanted to see out of this quarterback and out of this team going into the offseason. So hopefully the one player that you think that you're drafting next year can change it. But in the end, a culture of making mistakes, getting coached on them, adhering to the coaching, and then getting a win out of it, paying it off to make you further incentivize getting better and, and correcting mistakes, they're not getting that. They're just getting the first two or three parts of it and then getting a loss on top of it. And bad habits can form. And if you don't think that bad habits can jump back into Justin Fields' game in these last few games when he didn't his brains beaten in, then I don't know which game you're watching. Alex Brown has talked about it. Lance Briggs has talked about it. And guys who have played football before have talked about it. They're in a different atmosphere, in a different environment than us as the observer or the fan. And they know what sticks. And bad habits can stick. They can stick after a while. And you can't tell me that bad habits don't get built up over 10, 11-game losing streaks. And I think this Lions game was a bunch of bad habits being put on display and also a team not giving the requisite effort for whatever reason. Because I don't understand that. You got 20 dudes who are first or second-year players and guys who are going to be on other teams, hopefully after this offseason of Ryan Poles reinventing and reconstructing this team. So in the end, they get their ass kicked by the Detroit Lions, but more so than anything, I'm taking a look at the line of scrimmage, and you're not going to win football games until that is improved. Ryan Poles is a former offensive lineman. It is supposed to be his department of expertise. We have seen some draft picks flop. We have seen some draft picks succeed at a high level in Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker. I'm looking forward to this Minnesota game being over this week and us jumping into the profile of the, the architect that is Ryan Poles because from what I've seen, up and down the NFC North now, You've got the Packers putting something together. Who knows what their quarterback will be or the quarterback situation will be going forward. I don't know about y'all, but that Lions team, they're a couple of players away from being pretty damn scary. And the Minnesota Vikings have a whole bunch of talent. Their limiting factor might just be their quarterback. And we can see, and we have seen, how easy that is to change out when guys are floating around the NFL, especially at that position, and being traded left and right. So, if you're the Bears and you're the Bears fans out here listening to this, yeah, it's time for Ryan Poles to be the star that the Bears hired him to be. Because not getting the requisite help for Justin Fields in this past draft, I think it's going to come back to bite them in the ass because bad habits are starting to set in once again for that young man. And it's, uh, some of it is on him, no doubt about it. But a lot of it is on uh, the protection of him. And the way that the refs aren't protecting him out there. And frankly, some of the play calling that's not protecting him out there. So let's get this Minnesota game over. Let's start to get into this draft process and try to figure out what we have, not only as a team, as a quarterback, but more importantly, as a president of player operations or whatever his tag is, general manager. You know, shout out to Ryan Poles. Um, We'll see if Kevin Warren gets this gig. 
that he's interviewed for, the Ted Phillips spot. But I'm looking forward to seeing now that the expectations and relevancy have kind of come back to this team and the national spotlight is back on them because of the star that Justin Fields is. Yeah, there's going to be everybody looking. All eyes will be on the Chicago Bears and what they do this offseason with such a high pick and all that cap money because that, what I saw against the Detroit Lions, there's a whole lot of that waiting for you next year if this team doesn't start to feel a little bit better about itself or add to itself this offseason. Connect with the show 24-7 on the full gold voicemail line. Hit us up at 773-359-3103. That's 773-359-3103. All right, to wrap it up tonight, we got ourselves some voicemails because it's not often that you see your your team get 71 put on its head by uh, an opposing player. But that's exactly what Donovan Mitchell did tonight. And then I threw the voicemails open to you, the Chicago Bulls fan. Jesse, go ahead and roll them. Punkin' heads. Punkin' heads for everybody. Everybody getting a punkin' head. Everybody getting two minutes. <laughs> Up 20, you lose. Can't hit you for 70. When does that happen? You lose by double figures in overtime. <laughs> All in one game. Yeah, everybody a punky head. <laughs> uh, the Rasdorf, fucking Benny the Bull, everybody catch a punky head. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I ain't heard a punking head in so long. Oh, they get two minutes in the corner. No flinching, no blinking. Shout out to whoever that was that didn't leave their name. I haven't heard a pumpkin head reference in so, so long. You got to be from the South Side. If you're not, I'm mad. I'm mad that you're not. If you're not, that's fucking delightful. Everybody get a pumpkin head, including Benny the Bull. What Benny do to y'all? Why is Benny getting a pumpkin head? You don't want to give out pumpkin heads. It's just, I mean, he already got a mascot head. It's already big enough, right? He already swollen enough, but I guess, I guess. All right, we'll wrap up the voicemail segment with this next one. Go ahead and run it, Jess. This is Mario from Chicago. That was the most embarrassing loss I've ever seen. <laughs> with a supposedly... Good competitive team. That's unbelievable. Yeah, the refs were ticky-tack in the second half, but how? How do we blow this? It's amazing. The most embarrassing. Good night. Good night to you, Marvin from Chicago. What was his name, right? Was it Marv? I believe it was Marv. Yeah. Mark. I could be. Mark. Mark. Uh, Marv. It starts Mark. with an M. Yeah. Meet tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. You know, shout out to Mark in Chicago. All right, y'all. Y'all know the number, 773-359-3103. Keep it close to you. Anytime you want to give us a call, feel free to do so. As you just heard, they are uncensored and unfiltered and, uh, you know, unrivaled, to be honest with you. Unmatched, you know. Shout out to y'all for understanding the assignment and executing here in the voicemail segment. The Full Goal with Jason Golf. Jason Golf. All right, that's all the time that we have for episode 193 of the Full Go Podcast. We want to thank you all for hanging out with us. We want to thank our production staff. As always, the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti, my main man, Tony Gill, and the actor, Jesse Lopez. For the fellas, I'm Jason Goff. Thank you for downloading this thing, sharing this thing, rating and reviewing it, because we know you're rating and reviewing it, and you're giving us all the stars in the world. You're giving us six stars. I know they only give, give you five to give, but I know y'all out there trying to give me six stars, and I truly, truly appreciate you because you're hanging out with us. You're sharing it with your family and friends, and I truly appreciate that as well. As always, we will talk to you on... When we talk to him? On Thursday? We'll holler Thursday. at y'all on yep. Thursday. Yeah, we'll talk to Corey Wooten. Uh, former Northwestern Wildcat, former Chicago Bear, and the man that owns the distinction of ending the career of Brett Favre. So we'll talk to him about that and other things when we uh, chop it up with Corey Wooten on Thursday. We'll get some more Bears in your system. We'll see what this Bulls-Nets situation is looking like. If, if Donovan Mitchell gave you 71, Katie and Kyrie, I know they're licking their chops after having won 12 in a row. So we'll talk to you after Nets Bulls. We'll talk to you about the Bears and Vikings with Corey Wooten. And we'll take your voicemail calls at 773-359-3103. So for the fellas, I'm Jason Goff. The first pod of 2023 is done. Uh, we hope to get you some more information on the young man, uh, the safety Hamlin for the um for the Buffalo Bills, uh, hopefully that young man will pull through uh, while you're hearing this pod. If, if you're not, 
If you're not of the understanding, we are taping here on Monday night, uh, late Monday night. So hopefully we get some good news. Hopefully we're praying that we get some good news for that young man's situation. Uh, so our thoughts from the Fogo podcast go out to him and his family. So that's all the time we got. Uh, as always, we leave you with this. Take care of each other and be safe.